When it comes to medical terms that have made their way into popular culture, one of the most recognisable would have to be the placebo effect. This idea that a sham treatment can be beneficial simply because the patient believes that the treatment will work. So if placebos can produce results, why not use them in clinical care? It's a question experts have been considering in recent years, but a commentary piece in the Medical Journal of Australia argues that the power of placebos is overblown. One of the authors of the piece is Professor Chris Ma from the University of Sydney, who joins us now. Hi, Chris. Hello. So your commentary is arguing against placebos in clinical care, but they have been associated with good outcomes in the past, haven't they? Like, why shouldn't they be considered as part of the mix? I think the, the argument is that people are overstating the case for placebos. When we've studied the size of the treatment effect, they're not powerful as advocates are su- suggesting. And the other thing is probably of, of the dozen health conditions that have been studied for, it's only really two conditions where there's any evidence that they have some small effect. So, so portraying them as some sort of powerful panacea is, I think, uh, overstating the case. How much is it actually happening that doctors are out there prescribing placebos on purpose? Well, if you look in terms of the major medical journals, there's been commentaries in the BMJ and also the New England Journal of Medicine. A survey of Australian GPs found that 40% of GPs have prescribed a placebo in their career. 40%, that's huge. So the conditions, you mentioned a handful of conditions there, things like pain, nausea, irritable bowel syndrome, lower back pain specifically, depression, obesity, things that are complex often. Is that why maybe they, they are being prescribed in those areas? Um, I think the reason they're being prescribed is because people are reading some of these overhyped, poor, poorly conducted studies and believing them. And so really we need to be a little bit more savvy when we're reading research articles. And, and I guess journals have a responsibility to, to, I guess, guard that some of the information that's being presented is actually accurate. The other thing I'd say is that some of the conditions you mentioned, we know that um, placebos don't work for. So things such as smoking cessation, dementia, depression, obesity, hypertension, in the Cochrane review, those were the conditions where placebos didn't have an effect. Are these treatments that are these conditions where there are treatments though? Uh, you know, if there's no treatment, maybe there is an argument to pres- prev- uh, prescribe something that might have an effect. Yeah, I guess I'd take you back a step because for most of the conditions where the placebos are being used, there are real treatments which work better. So if you look at most clinical trials and you're comparing an active treatment to a placebo. For most health conditions, there's an active treatment that works better. And I think really in terms of the role of the clinician, it's to help the patient decide between active treatments rather than offer them a placebo treatment. And I guess if there was some new health condition where we have absolutely no treatments, then I guess maybe you could consider using a placebo, but it would be on fairly uncertain grounds. And there are some ethical issues in doing that. Yeah, can we talk a bit about the ethics of it? Because you've either got, you know, you think the effect is that people think that it's going to work and they're being misled. But you mentioned in your article that there's even suggestions that people get some sort of placebo effect even when they know they're not getting an active treatment. Yeah, so that's a more modern version of placebo. They talk about open placebos where they actually disclose to the patient that they're getting a placebo. The thing about those studies is they've got a lot of flaws to them. So the one that most springs to mind is one that suggested that if you took an open label placebo, you told the patients it was a placebo, they took it for three weeks for chronic back pain, that it had long-term effects for five years. 
But when you look at the study, they actually threw away the control group. And so it was no longer a trial. And I guess you'd have to wonder why did they throw away the comparison group, you know, and, and perhaps if they had the comparison group and the placebo group, you wouldn't have seen that benefit at five years. It's a funny way to do a study. What are patients' attitudes? I think there's a pretty clear argument that doctors shouldn't be prescribing things that don't have a clear effect, but do patients ask for these sorts of things? I'm not sure if patients do ask for them, but I guess the best answer for that would be that you can actually buy on the internet open-label placebo pills, and there's a couple of different brands of them, so presumably if there's a product out there. So this is for people to self-medicate with their own placebo, there's a couple of different brands. There's also a form for children, which is a chewable form, and they're actually quite expensive. So the one you can get from the Australian website is $150 for about 45 capsules, which is quite a lot of money, $3 a capsule for, I guess, something that hasn't got much in it. What about the other – we've mentioned another phenomenon on this uh, on this show before, the nocebo effect where people are expecting a bad outcome. What are your thoughts on that? I suspect if you go and look at the science um, carefully, you'll find much the same as for placebo. It's really hard to believe that you can have, um, you know, powerful nocebo effects and powerful placebo effects. When we've gone looking for placebo, they turn out to be at best modest. And I think the same thing would be the the same case would apply for nocebo effects if you look carefully. Um, Yeah, I think for both of those things, we've overstated the benefits and we've probably overstated the harms. Well, just briefly then, what are the harms? If we're talking about a treatment that's inert, what are the harms of prescribing this as opposed to the, the treatment itself? I think it's really the opportunity cost. You know, if um, people are being given placebos, they miss out on the opportunity of receiving a real treatment. And I guess the other thing that concerns me a little bit is people being encouraged to self-medicate with open-label placebos that they buy on the internet. I'd much prefer that we have um, people seeing a, a clinician to get some advice about a health condition and I'm much prefer we have a situation where the, the clinician and the patient are choosing between active treatments rather than pretend treatments. Thanks so much, Chris, for joining us. Thank you. Christopher Ma is a professor in the Sydney School of Public Health and director of the Institute for Musculoskeletal Health at the University of Sydney. I just love all that placebo stuff. It's just so fascinating. I've done many stories on it over the years. You know, and it's, it is about expectation. It's what you're led to believe. Um, and... I just can't help thinking it is a bit more powerful. Um, research done in his area, in Chris's area, in musculoskeletal disease, which was done by um, Rochelle Buchbinder in Melbourne, looked at um, arthroscopy and, and placebo. And, you know, and, and the placebo effect on in arthroscopy was actually pretty powerful. And it's a fascinating study about acupuncture, which is where... Because, oh, with the retractable needles. Well, they... well, 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 I don't know about that study. Well, well, tell me about that study and then I'll tell you about mine. You, you tell me yours and I'll show they... you mine. <laughs> now I'm going to... Now I'm realising that I don't know the thing. that I've got this memory of something with tr- retractable needles where they basically used sleight of hand and they used, yeah, like close-up magic to make people believe that they were being acupunctured, but they weren't. Yeah, well, I don't know what the results were in that study. The, I mean, it, with complementary medicine, unfortunately, the, the bigger the studies and the more and better designed, the less likely they are to actually f- show an effect, which goes along with what Chris is saying, because you minimise the placebo effect with a large, well, well-designed study. Um, but this study is actually of, um, of, of acupuncture, where people got needles, and they got needles according to the meridians, according to classic Chinese medicine, and then they got needles in random areas of their body, and uh-huh. both got an effect. So that's probably not the placebo effect, but what it is, is the effect of the needle in the skin, 
Um, so in, in other words, simulating. simulating that. So what probably is a placebo is the whole shtick about the meridians, if that story is true, whereas sticking a needle in somebody does actually help your pain a bit. But as you say, with things like pain and, and those sorts of complex things, the answer is obvious is often not just a single pill that you can take. So it's really hard to extract the mental side of things or the psychological side of things from the treatment itself. Yeah, and there was a whole area around statins where if you were told you to expect muscle pain with statins, cholesterol-lowering drugs, you, you got muscle pain. And um, so the nocebo effect was considered quite strong with, uh, with statins. Anyway, interesting topic, <laughs> which is taking us away from our mailbag. 